Thank you for tuning in to the You Own the Experience podcast. In this week's episode, we sit down with David Falwell, founder and president of Staffing Referrals, and also someone I refer to as the most interesting man in staffing, affectionately, of course. In this week's episode, we talk about referrals and how they are the number one source of qualified submissions and placements for your firm, or should be at least. We talk about using NPS scores to help drive asking for referrals, how automation is helping in the COVID age, especially asking for referrals or NPS scores. Then we also talk about how cold outreach isn't dead, especially if you can do it intelligently. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Collider. Please remember to check out the segment of Ask Lauren and to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can also subscribe to our podcast at www.ableteams.com backslash podcast. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We have Mr. David Falwell, and I always feel like I'm going to say your name wrong. David, what's going on, man? How's it going, Rob? Good to see you. I am doing okay. So David is probably the Dos Equis man of staffing, one of the most interesting <laughs> people that I know. And <laughs> you're welcome for that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he's laughing hysterically, by the way. You can't see it because he's not on video. But David, you want to give a quick elevator pitch about yourself, what you've been doing in staffing, your history, and then obviously staffing referrals, uh, the company you're heading up and that's doing really great things. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in staffing for... A little over nine years now on the supplier side the entire time. Started off at a company called Traveler's Haven as the CMO. Um, actually left uh, GE to come over. Went from the big company down to the startup that was supplying housing for travel nurses as the CMO. While I was there, helped launch a product called Hotel Engine, which is still, if you're doing any business travel, which I know this year, not so much, but still a great product to get out there. And then uh, about six years ago, launched a digital marketing agency to get out on my own and go out and start helping staffing firms get find more placements and kind of improve their digital presence or their digital footprint. While doing that, uh, I was actually getting the pressure, which I think a lot of marketing firms are used to, which is show us the ROI, show us the ROI, where's the ROI for marketing. Recognize that they're... I went out and started looking for how can we help these staffing firms that we're providing marketing for improve what they're doing and get more placements. And referrals came to mind because I launched a referral program for Hotel Engine and actually launched a few others for other clients. Identified, went out and started looking for software to implement for staffing firms and realized there was nothing that existed in the space that would help, that really kind of fit the the model for staffing. So I launched uh, Staffing Referrals about four years ago. And about two years ago, kind of started building out the sales team and got the product to a spot where we were able to show a consistent ROI. And for the last two years, I've just been kind of scaling that and helping staffing firms get more referral placements through automation by integrating with their ATS. So it's been a fun ride and been enjoying the opportunity to work with a lot of uh, great staffing firms. Okay, let's just stop there and tell me, what is the best return on investment you've seen from staffing referrals? Oh, so we have a company that they said that they've got the first six months of this year, they, with 30 recruiters, they had $1.1 million in additional revenue delivered to their top line through our product. And that they said that it blew their expectations out of the water. There was 3x what their top expectation and projection for our product. So it can be if you have a... The one caveat I'll say is that if people don't like your company, don't 
try to get more referrals. If your net promoter score is terrible, don't get, don't, this is not the product for you. If you have a, a good net promoter score, if people love working with your recruiters and referrals are part of what you already do, we help companies basically scale what they currently do by increasing it anywhere from about 20% up to 60% as the average kind of the range, but we have some companies that have hit 150% more referrals in the first 60 days of using the product. So there's variance in there, but it's, it's definitely something that if you're looking to find more qualified talent, it's an easy way to do that. Okay. So now that you guys understand why I asked that question, right? Like you're the number one source of qualified talent comes from referrals. So first step, make sure you have a good MBS score. <laughs> Second step, <laughs> ask for referrals. If you don't have a yes for an MPS score, like do you have a good MPS score? Then got to start managing your reputation and doing some things to manage that. And that goes for all businesses, right? I'm actually, today is September 22nd. We're recording this. It'll probably get released about a month from now. Inbound, which is HubSpot's conference is going on. And I just attended a session about customer success, customer experience, and all the playbooks that they use to do that. And so like, if no for high MPS score, go to somewhere to figure out how to get that customer experience up, right? Well, I'm going to drop another plug then because one yeah, of, one of our, our, our integration partners is great recruiters. Adam Conrad's been on your show. And one of the things that we realized early on, I was actually, it's, it's kind of funny, is I met Adam at, I think it was at Engage, maybe three or four years ago, Bullhorn's conference. And when I met him, I was thinking about building out a review component to our platform so that you could get the review, identify people that like you, and then get referrals from people that like you. And Adam was about to build a referral component to his. And we decided that as many uh, staffing firms do, you, you have, and, and suppliers as well, that we should specialize and partner and integrate. So we, over the last few years, have built an integration where we basically use the great recruiters tool to get the MPS and more importantly, identify the candidates that really love working with you, why they love working with you, and then lead them into the referral program. So find out who loves you and then get them to refer you to their friends. And guys, as coordinated as that just felt, we did not prepare that beforehand. So that was all off the cuff, probably because we do this all the time, David, uh, usually in person. But guys, like if you don't know what your reputation is, you definitely need to. And then to this point of staffing referrals, right? If you're going to ask for a referral, make sure you're asking people who like you for those, and then you're going to get them. Pretty fun way to start the conversation. Is there a success story maybe that you know of, and you don't have to, is there a success story you know where like negative NPS score for a company or a recruiter. And by acknowledging that you guys were able to, or the kind of the overall message or journey was to improve that and then get more referrals. Have you seen that story? I don't have, Adam actually has more of the gray recruiters, has more of the stories on kind of like transitioning from a struggling net promoter score to a positive net promoter score and also changing the experience, candidate experience and, and, and now the client experience as well. I don't have any specifics on that. I mean, I know that when we, it's kind of crazy is, so you take our tool, you take our automation platform and you implement that into your staffing firm and you can expect, you're going to get, you know, 26% increase in referrals out of the gate, depending on how you implement it, possibly more if you're really going out there and doing a good job with the alignment with the team. But then you take and you throw great recruiters on top of that. And we see an additional lift in referrals additional 30% up to another 100%, which is crazy. It's like when you take these two softwares and put them in place together, we have a lot of companies that actually launch simultaneously with kind of the staffing referrals and great recruiters tech stack. And then we we're tied into a few different ATSs, but a lot that lately have been on the, we're seeing a lot of movement on the Bullhorn uh, front. So companies that are using Bullhorn 
and want to find more ways to implement ad automation. Got it. Yeah. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I think it's a good question. And I'll ask Adam. I got to get Adam on and we got to do some updates about what he's been doing. It looks like the product's changed a little bit recently. So that's pretty cool. It's a great product. So Cool, man. So I kind of want to go back and talk to you about Travel Haven and how you manage marketing for that and what the reputation was. And did that kind of give you learnings about what you would need for for staffing referrals or how to work the staffing agents in the staffing world? Yeah, I mean, I, this is kind of funny. I mean, I've, my entire life have been a tech-heavy kind of digital nerd on that front. And I started my career in sales and only got into marketing because I learned that I could eliminate all of my cold calls by doing marketing automation back in the day, 2005, using 2005, first job out of school, I was handed a list of people to call and was like, this is terrible. I uh, learned about doing email broadcast via Outlook from CSV uploads. So I would do CSV uploads to Outlook and kind of like time it out and manually pull people out. So it was a semi-automated marketing automation. So that's going all the way back. Traveler's Haven, one, this is actually really funny. And for people that have been in the staffing industry for a while, might remember Staffing Robot and Jason Lander. One of the first, this is actually going to tie back to kind of Adam's product, but one of the first products that I remember getting engaged with in the staffing industry was called Hively, which is actually a signature review tool to get feedback on your sales team or on your recruiters, which, you know, great recruiters has taken that to way beyond where it existed back then. But that was one of the, the early things we did is we actually took the entire sales team that was dealing with housing managers and dealing with the recruiters. And we wanted to get real-time feedback on those people. And I'll tell you what, it saved deals. So if you want a story that's not staff referrals and great recruiters specific, but one, we had moments where you'd get a notification that's like, hey, this person just had a bad experience. They're frustrated with this account rep. And that account rep may be what probably never going to hear about that problem because things weren't going well. So it's, it's not always that your sales team comes to you with the problem right as it's happening. But if you can get that from a customer, you can find ways to save clients. You know? so that was one experience. Another component, I mean, I, while at Traveler's Haven, we were, I think I joined with 18 people left and there were about 55 employees and we were in a shoestring marketing budget. So one of the things that we did with Hotel Engine and with Traveler's Haven was really looked at how can you do more with less? So I kind of, during that time frame, pieced together the equivalent of a HubSpot, but just tool by tool. So I kind of learned all of the different ways of doing marketing automation, got my my feet went in a lot of email marketing and then have been using that ever since and to make our product better now. I mean, a big component of where value is created for staffing firms from staffing referrals is we have a whole series of content that is automatically, you know, it's messages that are pre-written, proven to work. We know the conversion rates on them. We have it broken out by vertical. So we already know like day one, you go live, you don't have to have a team writing content. You can just use what we have and go live and have results. So writing good content and having a good content team has been a key component to what we do and how we built what we built so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because we create a lot of content off this podcast. So it's always about, you know, if you're in the company, it's really hard to have people who are writing the content because they're also doing their job. <laughs> and like listening to the episode and creating the content. So I'm constantly looking for ghost writing and then writing for people. So definitely, by the way, you kind of tied a whole bunch of things together there, which is really cool. So getting the most out of less, right? Which I think is, is interesting. 
doesn't mean that you have less recruiters. It just means maybe they're like they're focusing their time somewhere else, or they have to follow up more diligently with the people already on assignment, and it's harder for them to cold call. Like you know, what I mean, like the reason why HR teams hire staffing firms is because their day is really busy, right? They don't have all day to identify talent, figure it out, nurture it, stay in contact with it. Like right? it's easier to use a staffing firm. So if you put that into the world of a recruiter or a business development person on a staffing firm. What do you, maybe what do you see people doing more with less with? Obviously, you know, the hair fish of the world, your platform and great recruiters sending automated follow-ups, but like any kind of stories, especially COVID related for that? Well, I mean, actually we just, it was a podcast a webinar, but with the text us and signature was one, they were, they were automating daily check-ins via text for wellness checks. That was COVID related. Um, I don't have a ton. I mean, we, we did with staffing referrals, we had multiple campaigns that were tied directly to COVID. And the travel nursing segment where I was like, hey, we need your help. Like we're, you know, we need to get people out there on the front lines. And we automated messaging around that. I thought the wellness checks were good. I'm taking it outside of COVID. I mean, I really do. I think this is probably common knowledge at this point, but I'm looking for ways to automate the meaningless task so that the people can work with people to build meaningful relationships. You know, that's been ongoing and will continue to be ongoing. The term for it, you know, the digital transformation, what everybody talks about. I think that COVID just accelerated that. Maybe two or two to five X the uh, speed of adoption for digital tools. I mean, we're, we've seen more demand this year. I mean, we doubled the first six months. We expect to be, you know, during the same second half of the year. So products like Able, we're doing kind of, more and more of these deeper integrations across different tools that specialize in essentially giving your recruiters time back and giving your company more efficiency so that you can focus on what matters, which is the human relationship is always going to matter. And if you can get rid of those mundane, repetitive tasks, you should. Yeah, absolutely. I've been selling that for the last two years. I think it's super, yeah. impo- super important. I mean, maybe that might be where I learned it. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it was Travis somewhere on, on the Hairfish website where it said it a million times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting, right? So you guys can hear it. Like, we probably can't say it enough. We were actually at dinner with a customer, you and I, when we probably shouldn't have been in February in an uh, executive forum. And I don't remember this, but there was some, like one of the, our customer, not of yours, but just in general, we were eating dinner with because we just had a hodgepodge group of people was like really fighting digital transformation and automation. Do you remember that? I vaguely do. You were like focused on the left and this was happening to the right of you because that's where I was sitting. But I was just like, and I might've been a little bit of a, like, I might've had some like tequila confidence going on at that point, but I was so confused and like frustrated. Like, and then this was like, as this was starting. So we didn't really understand the intent, the length of it, but if you have the tools to automate and you're not automating or trying to follow up, like it's definitely not the best use of spend and call people and ask them about it. Like, David, you're a great resource. You know, you don't understand the product marketplace. You could like, are you doing this? Are you doing that? I talked to a lot of people that are doing this, right? So like, if you're not sure what to do, ask. And I think we just did a webinar on marketing automation and it was like, fail a lot and fail small, fail big, like just, just fail and then figure out what works. But I think, if you come at it from a brute force mentality, which staffing firms, not all, but like generally, like the status quo would be like, they're like using a lot of brute force selling and stuff. Like all that stuff went away. So now you're 100% have to be relying on automation, digital transformation. So have you seen any of that? Like, have you seen that pretty quickly? You said like two to five X of your growth, but is there like an anecdotal story you could tell 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I think the thing that just we're seeing this year is like companies have had to deal with layoffs. So it's how do we? I think there are departments within staffing firms that a lot of the stuff can be on. You know, onboarding is an area. Credentialing is an area that. What value are you adding if you're making somebody go through additional manual steps versus doing it all online or doing it all from their phone? I mean, it's really how easy can you make that for the candidate and really focus on what is the end user experience? You know, I spent a good part of my time at GE working on the channel strategy and really what it comes down to, and I think about this a lot within, I think it's relevant to staffing. And I, I think the model that I always comes to mind with staffing is I look at like travel agencies is like, when you're thinking about what's the best thing you can do with your product, which I think for staffing firms, you know, the product is your recruiter and or the job, depending, you know, it's the job order or recruiter from the candidate side. And then that's different for the client side. But it's how do you make that experience for the actual end user who's consuming as great as possible? And when you look at what do they want, it's like, well, you know, candidates, they want transparency into the process. They want the process to be easy and simple. They want to know where they're at in the process. So I think there's a lot of components that can be improved upon and doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have less employees. It just means that your employees might be doing different things than they did before. Like not having a cold call, but using referrals to make placements. You nailed it. You nailed it. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> moving on. It was absolutely wild. Is there are some companies that we've talked to that have gone, they have like 70% of their placements are coming from referrals. I mean, that's absolutely unheard of. Where it's like their entire business is built on that. So. Not to cut you off, but like I told you, there's a company in the UK that they made an app that all it does is ask for a referral. So it turns its place candidates into its recruiters, has no recruiters, just a bunch of like customer success people for the app that are placing people and like working through the process. So And we essentially enable that for all of our recruiters. The, the people, every company that works with us, that's, we're doing the same thing, which is like, all right, how do we, how do we make it so that your recruiters, instead of, you know, three placements a month or five placements a month. How do we make it so they're getting seven to 10 using the same effort, but through automation? We can circle this all the way back to the cold call. Or if we want to talk B2B sales, a lead versus a warm lead or a warm lead that's qualified, right? So a referral is qualified and probably maybe not warm in terms of like definitely wanting to find a new job, but warm from the fact that they're going to have a conversation with you. They're going to listen. They're going to engage, right? So as opposed to B2B sales world, same thing, right? Like someone who looked at your website or someone who engaged, downloaded a bunch of content and is now reaching out for a demo. So like, it's kind of that funnel, right? Like referrals are a better way to fill your funnel. It was also interesting as you're talking about that, you know, the referrals, we've seen a lot of companies out there that are like, oh yeah, we want to know like what job are people going to refer to? And it's like, when's the last time you referred somebody to a job? When you're working with staffing firms, you're referring them to the recruiter, you're the product. You're like, hey, Rob has all of the best jobs. I'm going to connect you with Rob. He'll take care of you. Or he'll just take care of you and not, and like he might have a, a variety of jobs, but he's going to tell you like, you may not want this one because it's not the yeah. best fit for you. Like Absolutely. the transparency part, right? Like I think, does it fill the need? Does this recruiter fill the need? So maybe we'll have an educational class on the funnel or we'll just tell everyone and staffing to go to HubSpot and learn inbound. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. I mean, it was crazy. So we have one of the reports, the state of staffing through Staffing Hub they're showing that I think in the last four years, HubSpot's gone from like 0% market penetration up to like the mid-20s. I think Herefish and Sense are kind of the HubSpots of staffing. Well, yeah, they kind of transitioned. I had a lot of transitions last year from HubSpot to Herefish. That yeah, makes complete sense. One thing I'm, I'm actually curious, are you seeing more, I talk about the product for staffing firms being the recruiters, and 
I always laugh because I'm like, all right, so if, if your product is a recruiter, which a lot of staffing execs I've talked to have agreed with that concept, which to me feels pretty rational. But then you go to your website and it's like, well, you don't have your product on your website. It's like going to Toyota and having no cars available to choose from. And I think that that's something that in the next few years, we're going to see a major shift in where it's like, get your recruiters out there. That's who people are they're choosing to work with a recruiter. Signature does that, I think. I think. I can't remember it, but I think they have their, their teams on there. A company I work for, Ascendo, has their teams on there. So you can see who, like, what market, who's working in the market. I think that was, that's a good, a good ploy. But my favorite is, and she just actually joined Bullhorn, but like supporting the Hairfish team was Vicky Mogg, and she comes from Tribe. Tribe is, we were talking about this on the webinar also, like they're my favorite brand. So if you ever check out Tribe Recruitment, they're out of New Zealand. She basically joined because they were the only brand aware website that she reviewed. So she applied to one and she went to work there. She did like a lot of the marketing and recruit. Uh, yeah, she started as a recruiter, went to marketing, but it was solely because of how good the brand was and how good the website was. And you can find the people, right? It's like you're looking at it now and you're nodding your head and being impressed, right? Like, but it's a good website. It's a good brand. And, and typically, staffing companies don't do a great job of really creating that brand, which, again, technically your website is a recruiter, right? Like I just had that thought with you. It has to have a personality. It has to say who you are. But then it also has to, like, it has to be like the first representation of your company, which is technically part of your product, which is a recruiter or a salesperson. Like, it's all one and the same. So your website, like if you're transactional, I mean, like this is kind of a bad example, but if you're transactional, like your website should enable a lot of transactional steps, right? Like as a bad example, but that makes sense from a brand perspective. And if you're super personal and your website is really cold and bleak and not updated, not warm, maybe not talking about meditation in 2020 and like, doesn't seem that personal. <laughs> I don't know. You know what's funny is that there's a few brands that even going all the way back to my entry into the, the staffing space, I always remember like benchmarking against Medical Solutions is the one. I, mean, I don't know if I should name specific companies, but they've always had this solid brand. And the growth that I've watched for that and the acquisitions they've had, it's like, oh, well, they were on point on the digital front the entire time. Another one, uh, Fusion is another one. But there's companies that you can kind of get it. You get to their site and you're like, oh, they've got it together. But I think staffing as a whole still is, is coming out of the smile and dial cold call era. And those that get out of it faster realize where tomorrow is here <laughs> and, and the digital transformation is happening. The faster that happens, I think that the faster the growth happens. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you don't know how to do it, you got to ask questions, right? Like it was okay to drop off donuts. Now it's not. Like you can't get in front of the decision maker by showing up, right? You got you to gotta get their attention. So it's, it's back. And then like COVID happens and everyone fires their attention getters, which is your marketing team, right? Because of whatever reason, for budgetary reasons. I was just a conversation with David Serms at Haley Marketing. And he said that print mail, doing print and direct mail is, is we're seeing good results with that again, which is something that's interesting. I mean, without trade shows, you know, you got to look for all additional avenues. So, Well, yeah, I mean, go to where they are, their home. So send them a cool piece of content, like send them something cool and just let them know that you're there. But again, it's, it's all about attention and how do you like, can you enable getting people's attention? And even though email is still the best, it's, it's, it's a little cluttered, right? So like if you don't stand out or know how to test subject lines or test putting content and links in the emails and, and be able to A-B test those for efficiency, you're not going to get the results you want. Completely agree. I'm glad we're both marketers. I, I usually end up only talking to marketers on here. 
It's like, can we just get someone's attention? I mean, I'm, I'm still blown away with what text has done to the industry and how impactful it is. We, people think you can't use text for cold outreach. and That's not true. At the marketing agency, we actually did a text out to, for one of our clients, a cold list of executives uh, in the food industry, which is not, I would say, is even more of a laggard than staffing in terms of adopting new technology. And as long as the messaging is right and it ties into the campaign, you do like we we didn't get a single complaint or unsubscribe, and people were happy with the message because it you know resonated and it was not pushy or salesy. So it's it's really all about how do you craft it and how does it align with what you're trying to love it. I think that's it, right? So this conversation, if you guys are following, it's like it's a lot about the funnel, getting attention, getting people into the funnel. Obviously, referrals and reviews are super vital to that guy. So we're talking around all of it and just kind of just having a, a very loose conversation, but it all filters into the funnel and how do you attract attention to it, whether that's just engagement or it's action, right? I still think one of the, and email marketing is one of the areas that our products tied heavily to it. We do text as well through text us, but you know, having text and email combined can be super powerful. But one of the things we spend a lot of time on is making sure that that messaging resonates. And I think one of the areas I see most businesses, B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. Most salespeople, it's, they are just asking for too much out of the gate instead of trying to add value. And if you can focus on some of the best email campaigns I've had, the first three emails, I don't even talk about our company or ask for a single thing. Simply just trying to add value, send content over, and then eventually maybe have an ask in there, but you know, try to add value first. Yeah, I mean... I agree. I think one of the coolest things was going back to the, the, I keep going back to this webinar, but it was really fun. So I sold the Vicky at Tribe last year and I asked her on the webinar, I was, and I, I, I'm assuming she answered truthfully because I don't care if she did or not, but like, because I was creating a lot of video content last year for Automation Weekly for Herefish, I said, hey, did me creating video and posting on LinkedIn help you immediately gain more trust with me? And like, again, I, I haven't talked to her since, but I'm assuming. That, you know, truthful answer. She was like, yeah, absolutely. Like I felt like, I don't know the, she was like, I didn't know the word, but I knew that we had rapport, more rapport than we would have just being a B2B salesperson. So if you're not social sharing stuff and, and like, and I learned this at Bullhorn, right? Like I, I came from staffing and I didn't think about this at staffing. And then I got educated on marketing in between going from a staffing firm I was at to Bullhorn. I did a lot of like HubSpot classes again. And it's like, you gotta, people have to know who you are. That's be like that little value, like moment of trust and like content. And so it was great to hear and like ask that question, like, hey, did you consume any of the content that I created last year about Herefish and automation? And did that have any effect on you in the buying process? And the answer was yes. Uh, and I thought that was pretty cool. But that's the only reason I went to dinner with you is your videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. God. LinkedIn and videos has been pretty crazy. I mean, our sales team, Josh Burnt, has done a lot of videos and it's wild to see the just awareness. People are more likely to pick up the phone, more likely to talk to you if they have an idea of who you are. So they, they may still say no, but at least get the call. Yeah. I mean, the call is the first thing, right? Like sometimes you don't even have to, like you said, you don't have to sell. You just have to give. And, that, and that's really about giving value, right? So like I would give a lot. I don't think I really ever asked for anything in any of those videos, except for maybe like input. Like, hey, what do you want to learn about? Or is this helpful? Is there something you like? I never pitched Herefish in a single video. I just talked about what it did and how it added value. So you can get a lot out of those. 
and yes, there's just so many, so many people creating videos now. I love it. So now there's the LinkedIn Live, which is the. the I know. I got to get on that. I applied, but I wasn't posting a bunch of content when I applied, so they denied me. LinkedIn, let me have some access. I'll create some really great LinkedIn Lives. I've actually been doing LinkedIn Lives with one of the recruiting firms from uh, Orlando that I'm friends with or friendly with. So, so Recruiter Live, Joey Brodsky, good group of people, know their CEO pretty well. So it's been cool, man. I, I think it's been fun to see people who are hesitant. And like you knew were hesitant, kind of have to adapt really quickly. As painful as that was for them, maybe, and to get them live. So many companies are like, oh, we'll never go remote. Remote doesn't work for us. Nah, it doesn't work. It's like, well, it's working. It's working. <laughs> the company that I worked at with Bullhorn is actually 100% remote in Miami. They don't have an office anymore. He gave up the lease. So, And I, I still put a ton of value on in-person you know, I think that my ideal state is you know two or three days in the office for then have the rest be remote, allow people to be wherever. But we have enough technology that you can you can absolutely make remote work. There's some challenges that come along with it, but that's one one area this year that's been debunked and uh, everybody's kind of just had to get on board. I've never never understood that, and I was really grateful when I got the bullhorn. I got to work remote. I did not enjoy commuting in Miami, as you can imagine. Yeah. That was not a good use of my time or anyone's time. I think it was the book I read, it was a happiness hypothesis, I think, where they talked about like different strategies to increase happiness in your life. And one of the easiest things that you can do to increase happiness was get rid of the commute with traffic. It was like proven just like immediately live closer to work or don't have a commute and you will almost instantly improve your overall well-being. Well, I can talk about that. So my wife joined us at the law firm and we made this decision to spend more in rent get a little bit smaller space, but have her only be a mile away. And we did that her first year, which was last year, and super successful. And so we just changed firms and we're only like 0.6 away from her current office. So like today I'm going to at like 5.30 or 6, I usually like to go at 6, is I'm going to get out. We have one car. We don't need two cars, which is nice. I work from home. So I'm going to jump in the car with the dog, go pick her up and go to the dog park. And it's going to take me maybe two minutes. And then once the weather is nicer in Fort Lauderdale, so it's still blazing hot here in September, I'll walk the dog to get her at the end of the day and then walk home with her. So like, I don't want to walk the dog for an hour or like a little bit less than an hour now because it's still 85, 90 degrees out. But like, that's, that's a lot of time with your significant other that a lot of people don't get unless they're, now they do because they're working from home. But Again, it's like, where, where are people? Where do you need to send the attention? So kudos to David Stern for sending direct mailers. But yeah, get rid of the commute. Like, bye. I think that's a, a good spot to, uh, to end this conversation. All right, a couple questions to end this thing. I really appreciate it. I always love getting on the phone with you. Number one, you're in Colorado. Have you traveled? Oh, actually, I just got back from a little bit of an epic road trip. Okay, so you did a road trip. Cool. Yeah, it was good. And then if, when you can travel by plane again, or you know, like in general... Where are you going to go? Oh, by plane, I'm getting out of the country for sure. Not sure where. I was looking at Buenos Aires this year. That was on my list. But the road trip the last few weeks was it was Rocky Mountain National Park, Moab, Yellowstone, and Jackson Hole. So uh, kind of knocked knocked out a series. Was Jackson Hole crowded? Oh my gosh. Sold out. The hotels were sold out. Super expensive. And what was also weird is I got them to Jackson Hole area going into gas stations where people just don't have masks. Nobody. Where it's just like you're in the country land where people are just felt bizarre. I was like, I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah, you're in bizarro world. Yeah, it's cool, man. I, uh, you don't need to say anything more about that. And then finally, where can people find you? Where's the best social channel? And then what's the email address? Or, and we'll, uh... Yeah, if you want to interested in learning more about staffing referrals, david at staffingreferrals.com. 
can also visit the website, staffandgrowth.com. And outside of that, LinkedIn is probably the best, best area. I occasionally touch Twitter, but it's not a heavy user on that front. Yeah. I feel like Twitter is now my education on cultural events. Like I was so out of touch that I've been using Twitter and what's trending to like try and get a pulse on things. And I think I'm doing a better job. We were using Twitter last week to check out the uh, Geyser Times. That's apparently, you know, who knew? Yellowstone Geysers. Uh, oh, that's it. cool. Yeah. So you can actually get like the up-to-date, like Geysers expected to go this time today. So that's a good use of... Uh, pressure new- mounting. Pressure <laughs> mounting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Love it. So- All right. Well, tell Josh the next time I see him, we can do a push-up contest. <laughs> yeah. Josh is one of David's salespeople who told me that he is stronger than me. Today. I know what I have my money on, Rob. Yeah. And then thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Great talking with you. Have a great day. After this short break, stay tuned for our next segment of Ask Lauren. Glider is a competency-based hiring platform to automate the candidate quality and the hiring pipeline. Through a total talent quality approach, the company is committed to bringing quality and transparency in the talent market for enterprise and staffing agencies. As a leading all-in-one quality automation solution for staffing firms, Glider boosts recruiting and sales teams to qualify candidates at scale, improve the experience for the hiring managers and candidates, make more placements and replacements. Visit glider.ai to learn more. What's up, Lauren? How are you doing? I am awesome. How are you? Fired up. All I'm doing is recording content today. I just had to record a my staffing tech talk for Staffing World. I got accepted to give a presentation for 10 minutes and it's exciting. How are you doing? I am amazing. And a good content day is a good day in my mind. What? what? <laughs> yeah. All right. So Lauren, what do you have for our audience today? The question du jour that I have been asked almost every day since we last talked has been, do I need an SI partner? And so for those of you that don't know what an SI partner is, a systems integration partner is going to essentially help augment your technical staff as you make your way through a big implementation. Now, a couple key things as it pertains to a good SI partner. So first and foremost is total and complete transparency. Second is they are an extension of you, not an extension of any other partner vendors. And that often gets confusing for the customer that you're servicing. Do they work for the vendor or do they work for you? Your good SI partner works as an extension for you as the staffing agency. And then the other is development. Development should always be the last, absolute last resort. A good SI partner is going to come in and hold your vendors accountable. And if you have an SI partner that is actually developing or creating custom code for you, you are now beholden to them forever and ever and ever. And so a good SI partner is coming in with a transparent work process acting as an extension of you and not committing to any sort of custom development, custom product, a custom integration, anything. Remember, the bad word is custom, the right word is configuration. And so, yes, you probably need an SI partner if you are embarking upon a large implementation, but make sure you find one that has those three key components. And that's the question of the day and the question of the week. Okay, what are the three components again? Transparency, right? They're working as an extension of you and no custom development. 
Got it. So the answer is more than likely that you need an SI and don't end up being beholden to them for code because that could get painful. Understood. Well, and really expensive. Yeah. I think I learned that in 2018 when I joined Bullhorn. We would love to say the word configure, not custom, because Bullhorn was super configurable. So that makes great sense. And I appreciate that. You are fired up. So that's exciting. I have been up on call since 6 a.m. I've had three cups of coffee. I am large and in charge. (laughs) Lauren is raising the roof while she's talking. Like you can't see her, but she's just like, and she is on fire. All right, lady on fire. I will let you go. Thank you so much. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is the You Own the Experience podcast. That was Ask Lauren with Mrs. Lauren Jones of Leap Consulting Solutions, who is our resident tech stack queen. So power up, queen. Thank you. Thank you.